Another Old Testament passage as we uh, get into the final section uh, or session, if you will, of our Finances, Faith, and Freedom series, uh, chapter 26 of Genesis, if you want to turn there. Another Old Testament passage, you know, we looked at Gideon, uh, and probably uh, for, for most of the times that you've ever read the story of Gideon, you might not have thought of that from a uh, financial perspective, but we looked at it from a standpoint of resources and uh, that God can take our limited resources, just like Jesus did with fish and loaves. God can take our limited resources and do quite a lot with it. And we want to look at Genesis 26. Uh, this is actually Isaac uh, that we'll read about. And we're going to first just read verse 12, and then I'll have you turn a little further in the chapter, and we'll read uh, a couple other verses, starting with verse 18. But starting with verse 12, if you have your Bibles are open, Let's read verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. That's pretty good return on investment, isn't it? He reaped a hundredfold in a year. Imagine putting $100 down, coming away with $10,000. That's, a, that's a, quite an ROI. But, uh, but notice what it says. The Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him. Drop down to verse 18. Now we see something take place here in the 18th verse that hopefully uh, you can relate to. Starting verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. But the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants dug in the valley, and they found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one as well, so he called the name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well. They did not quarrel over it, so he called the name, he called its name Rehoboth. Because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to now speak through your word. And Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart exactly what is needed tonight. Lord, we know that all that you've given us belongs to you. and We want it to glorify you and honor you. And Lord, we want to live by faith and not by fear. And Lord, as Isaac was blessed, we want to be blessed, but Lord, we want to be blessed just as his father Abraham was, that we'd be a blessing to others. And Lord, we pray that you would just instruct us tonight. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Isaac, I don't know if you've gone through these periods in your life where you, uh, you've done something and it doesn't seem to work, or you've been reasonably successful, and then uh, it just kind of slides backwards. And you feel like you're making no real progress, kind of in a continual holding pattern. You know, Isaac saw this great blessing. By the way, the good news for when Isaac was blessed a hundredfold, he had just committed the sin of lying about his sister, which wasn't his sister. His father had done the same thing. You might remember his father did that with Sarah. And then Isaac comes along and does the same thing with King Abimelech as well and calls 
uh, Rebecca, his sister, and at least on his father's case, Sarah was his half-sister, Rebecca, no sister at all, although they would have been related, they were related, uh, but not a sister. And so he's lied, and, and, uh, and then the Lord forgives him, and then shortly after that, he's blessed tremendously. And that's, a, you know, just from a standpoint of grace, it's good to know that mistakes you and I have made in the past, God doesn't necessarily, that's not going to keep us from being blessed by the Lord in the future. Isn't that good to know? Uh, that you could actually see, uh, and I'm not just talking about financially here. As a matter of fact, most of what we're talking about, however God wants to bless, really is up to the Lord. But I want to see a hundredfold blessing in my life. I want to see more people get saved than I could possibly imagine. I want to see more people discipled. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see uh, us be able to do things ministry-wise that we can't do today, but that would require the Lord to bless the work. And so Isaac, even after he'd made a big mistake, and even after you and I have made big mistakes, we can know that the Lord will bless us if we do things his way. But then we see this other lesson that Isaac learned, and he goes, uh, now Abraham had uh, dug these wells, and the Philistines, after Abraham had passed away, they filled them all back up with dirt. Very nice of them. Uh, that was their way of telling, uh, that was the, the, the kind way of letting the family descendants of Abraham know, say, you might want to find another place to hang out. You're not so wanted here. But uh, Isaac was allowed to stay in the land, uh, not exactly where he was, but he moved a little further away, but still adjacent to the Philistines, and he redug these wells. And you see what took place each time he dug one, then there was a conflict with uh, other herdsmen, and he had to move on and do it again. They dug one didn't work out, dug another one, didn't work out, dug another one, didn't work out. And tonight, what I want uh, tonight's final session to be is, is the most practical. The first two, if you're here with us, the first, uh, the first two sessions, uh, we looked at the biblical foundations of what God has to say about money. What does God say about money? What is it for? What is it not for? How should the Christian think about money? Uh, how should we attain it? Obviously, it has to be through uh, through means that are honorable to the Lord. And then we looked, uh, we looked at faith, that we, we cannot approach what God wants to do with our resources, whatever resources we're given, and not live a life of faith. Uh, everything, anything not of faith is sin. We looked at that, the just shall live by faith. And the fact that we need to have faith as it regards uh, our finances, just like we need to have faith uh, in every other aspect of the Christian life. Faith to share the gospel, faith to, you know, gather with other believers, faith to uh, say that God's way and marriage is the right way, whatever, whatever it is. So we want to have faith uh, in all those other areas. And then, so this final uh, session tonight, we want to look at uh, the practical and applicable things of, you know, how do we, how do we then take that understanding of, of money and the scriptures and, and that uh, faith that God wants us to have, and how do we apply it to daily living, and we'll kind of look at those things tonight, uh, because I believe the Lord wants us to have freedom, not bondage. The enemy wants us in bondage, doesn't he? But even when you do things God's way, at first, it doesn't appear to be working. Isaac is blessed by the Lord, he moves out, he redigs these wells, doesn't work, rebuilds another one, conflict, rebuilds, and then finally he ends up having rest. And he says, now the Lord 
will bless and make fruitful. Now, what happened if he just stopped digging? Just gave up? Just assumed that God wasn't going to, and it would look like, well, this isn't going to work. Maybe we should just go to another country. He's already been warned not to go to Egypt. You have to read the whole rest of it. But he sticks with God's plan. And that's the thing that God wants us to understand. Whatever it is that God asks us to do, stick with his plan. We want to start with um, everything related to our use of the resources God's given us, our finances, or really the Lord's, it all starts in the heart. Would you agree? If the heart isn't right, if the heart is not obedient, if the heart is not trusting, if we're not joyful in our stewardship, all the practical help and the advice will be worthless. You can give people all the practical help you want, but if we don't have the right heart in any matter, practical help doesn't do anything. It's in one ear and out the other. But I do want tonight to be practical. I want it to be tangible. I want it to be helpful in helping all of us adopt God's principles and the lifestyle choices that produce freedom in our life. I mean, the Lord gives us. He says, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. And we really can be free from, we talked about not worshiping money, not Wasting money, not worrying about it. Those three things, I mean, we can do all three. Worship it, waste it, and worry about it. But the Lord wants us to have freedom, freedom from the things that uh, really uh, can keep people in bondage and in fear and continually having the same kind of, uh, well, I, uh, I can't get any further. We're, we're no further along than we've ever been before. We're in the same perpetual holding place. And God really wants to bring us individually uh, and collectively the body of Christ, especially in America, uh, out of these things. And I truly believe that uh, that thankful, believing, and generous giving heart is where that freedom begins. So if you're taking notes, uh, we'll look uh, at four things. We'll start with giving as a bridge to where we left off of last week. We're only going to spend a little bit of time with the giving aspect first, but Proverbs 11.25 tells us the generous soul will be made rich. He who waters others will be watered himself. Do you believe that? The generous soul will be made rich. Now, uh, there are people that would, that would use that teaching to say you're going to become rich financially. Uh, that really is up to the Lord. Uh, rich in God's terms are not always the same in ours. We need to understand that. Uh, we'll be rich in peace. We'll be rich uh, in rest. We'll be rich in... Uh, maybe perhaps discipleship, souls being saved, spiritual gifts, could be financially. Uh, the good news is that all your needs will be met. That you can be assured of. Uh, and if we have happiness, which we already said money can't buy, we are rich indeed. Amen? And then Jesus, as we looked at in the uh, previous week, Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, Will it be into your bosom? So we have the principle both in Proverbs and Jesus taught the principle himself that those who are givers, like God's son, like God himself, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave his blood for us uh, that we would actually follow. If we really want to say, I want to follow in Jesus' footsteps, we will be generous like the father is generous with his grace, we'll be generous like he was generous with his son, we'll be 
givers uh, because it's in the likeness and the character of God. Now, when I got saved, actually me and my wife got saved on the same day. Some of you, some of you know that. If you didn't, we, we both walked forward there at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale uh, in 1995. In June, our 20th anniversary of being saved is coming up in June, and uh, we got saved on the same day. And almost immediately after we got saved, um, we had that spirit-led desire to be what I would call compassionate givers. We had no formal teaching on anything. We just had that desire that I know was from the Holy Spirit to be compassionate givers. In other words, we all of a sudden, riding by someone who was homeless seemed to touch our hearts differently. Uh, seeing people that had financial uh, hardships, those things immediately touched us. Um, and we'd see a need, and we'd want to help, and we did help uh, in a compassionate or sacrificial way. In some respect, we just would give offerings. And maybe some of you, when you first got saved, the, the, the same thing happened to you. You just kind of felt like, wow, uh, God's been good to me. I want to I wanna bless people when I see a need. And to, to what extent? We didn't have much in the way of, <laughs> we, we didn't have much at all. You know, so we, we, we were heavily in college loan debt and upside down car loans and you know, all kinds of stuff. And, and yet we still had this heart to be compassionate and sacrificial. And the Lord did bless that in our lives uh, in a number of ways. Uh, and, and really, I think he opened doors in our life and even touched people's lives through just that kind of initial, it was what the Spirit birthed in us as God had given us life, we immediately had a desire to give something tangible when we could and when we saw needs. But for the first three or four years of our life, we did not become consistent regular givers to the gospel or to, or to a local church. And so uh, our debts, we were, uh, at that time, when we got saved, I, I went back and figured it up. At that time, I didn't know the number, nor did I really want to know the number, but I went back and figured it out later, we were about $80,000 in debt. I mean, as far as if someone wanted to call every, you know, I had, I don't know, credit cards and Firestone and, you know, all these different things. And, and most of it was, uh, was due to just, uh, you know, we had been unsaved and just kind of lived any way we wanted to. And if we couldn't afford it, well, that wasn't that wasn't really a big deal. We'd find a way to get it, even if we had to charge it or things like that. So, uh, but it, for the first three or four years, uh, we got saved at Calvary Fort Lauderdale. We were there for a couple years, then we were at Central Church of God in Charlotte. Uh, we did not become regular uh, givers. And so our debts, almost all of them prior, came from prior to salvation. And I would say our decision-making, not just our debts, but our debt and our decision-making stayed in a holding pattern. Nothing really changed, although we had more joy, we had more peace, we were devouring the word, and we would give uh, you know, to those sacrificial things. And then what felt like out of the blue, um, at least it felt like out of the blue for me, and, and I think for Sarah as well, mostly through our devotions, just, just us reading the word, no, no outside influence other than the Holy Spirit just kind of speaking as reading and studying the world, uh, word, uh, we both had a sense that the Lord was telling us uh, to start regularly giving. And then we just kind of felt like it was the Lord saying to start to regularly give. We both made a paycheck and the Lord was saying, hey, uh, it was just putting in both of our hearts. And within a year or two, uh, we ended up you know, having felt led that that would be uh, a tithe. And again, this was the Lord just impressing uh, to us through the word. 
Uh, the only teaching that I can really remember, uh, because I got saved at Calvary Fort Lauderdale just like us, that all they had was just an offering in the back, They're just a box, which actually helped attract me because I knew they weren't trying to get the money. It was not like a, uh, a weekly hustle or anything like that, which, by the way, that passing the plate and all that stuff, is, there's nothing wrong with that. Quite a few Calvary chapels do it, uh, but uh, you know, we still do what I was saved under with Calvary Fort Lauderdale. And just that was, uh, that was about as much as I had heard about it. Most of it was just in the Word and just absorbing what God was showing to us personally. And so I don't remember any specific teaching but I do remember one day, as the Lord was putting on my heart and Sarah's heart, and we would talk about it, there was no one, you know, uh, you know really kind of saying, hey, you guys should grow in this. Uh, we just felt like, man, we, we really need to, we need to become faithful, regular. I see it in the Word. You see it in the Word. And then I was riding the car, and I was listening to Dr. Tony Evans. You guys ever heard Dr. Tony Evans? The Urban Alternative. I got a chance to go to his church in Dallas uh, probably a few years later after that on a Wednesday night service. Uh, but I was listening to Dr. Tony Evans. He was talking about counseling a couple uh, that were in his church, and they were in all kind of financial trouble. And the way that Tony Evans, only he can say it, he goes, you better start giving. That's what he told him. You better start giving. And, and so, and it was not, it, this was not him trying to convince them uh, to give to uh, that church or anything, but Lord was just uh, confirming to us and we received the confirmation. The Lord was saying, hey, if you want to get out of the holding pattern, again, this is God. God's ways aren't always what people want to hear. But God was saying, if you want to get out of the holding pattern, you better do what Dr. Evans just said. If you want to get out of that holding pattern. And we did. And we didn't see, uh, we actually did not see financial peace and new areas of freedom and blessing in our lives until we became uh, first fruit givers. It took us from that time, we began about six years later, we had paid everything off. And uh, everything was paid off. Now, God blessed. I opened doors in my career, and I got bonuses that I never thought I would see in my life. I probably will never see again, and all those kind of things. But, you know, things like that, it, God just began to open doors, and, and uh, it really, I look back, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord was speaking very clear to us, and it was not an accident that I turned on and Dr. Tony Evans said, you better start giving. That was like the only thing I heard him say. It was like the Lord was saying through him. And, and it wasn't God beating me and saying, I want your money. It was God saying, I want to bless you. Maybe not a hundredfold. I don't know what the fold was. It was a lot more. I could not see a way, period, we never went to credit counseling. We never did any of that stuff. I could not see any way that we would pay it all off, and yet the Lord did it in about six years. And it took time, and it was hard. There was times where we wanted to spend money on something fun, and the Lord says, uh-uh, get rid of the baggage. You wanted the blessing to get out of these things. You wanted financial peace. You want to be able to do these things that, that I've called you to do. And again, what, when we began, uh, by the way, when we began tithing, it was a real struggle uh, a real struggle because around that same, not long after that, my wife decided, man, I really want to stay home with our first child. They're like, are you crazy? We can't afford you to stay home. We had the, you ever had those discussions in the house? We had those discussions and all those things. And, and, uh, and it's been a struggle at times since then. By the way, steps of faith never really end in your life. You just keep pushing through them. But the slow hands of God's clock 
they begin to really move on our behalf. And that's just my own personal testimony. And, you know, some of you know, uh, I've talked to some of you about some of these things, and, and you've been able to see some great victories in your own life. But out of the gate, uh, it looked like it would all fail because for the first couple of years, there was no progress. You know, Isaac kept digging the wells. At first, he dig in the wells, and there's no, Lord, I, I, I dug the well. I had a good attitude about it. And, and I'd lose all that effort seemed worthless. You, you know, if you work really hard at something, you put a lot of effort into it, and you get nothing out of it, and then you've got to redo the same thing. The Lord out of the gate will test, will you believe me? Will you believe me? And we had that struggle. For the first few years, we didn't, uh, we didn't think that those things uh, were going to <laughs> they're going to turn around. We did, we're no further on. It looked like we had chipped away. Uh, all right, so we're in, instead of 80,000 debt, we're at 78,000. You know, wow, this, at this rate, we'll be dead, but it will be paid off for the kids or something like that, you know, <laughs> if we even could afford the kids and things. So, so anyway, that was, uh, that was, I just wanted to share that as just kind of a bridge of the last couple of weeks. And I want to uh, move into some of the practical stuff um, related to, uh, related to uh, actually, one other thing before I do that. Um, when it comes to giving, as we, in our own life, as we grew past, um, then it became very, very much of the fabric of our walk with Christ. It just, we had the desire to have be a compassionate giver out of the gate. But as far as consistency and all that, that was, that was a spiritual growth that had to take place in our life. And as it did take place in our life, then the Lord wasn't done. We, he put on our heart other things. Like, I want you to go beyond you know, what you give now or even tithing. I want you to give to other missions and ministries, support other uh, men that are full-time or uh, that are you know, like a K.P. Ohana and Gospel for Asia and di- different things that just... The Lord would bring across our path. And I came across a quote from Randy Alcorn. He said, he said, I've heard people say, I want more of a heart for missions. And he said, I always respond, Jesus tells you exactly how to get it. Put your money in missions and your church and the poor and your heart will follow. And I, when I read that quote, I went back in time and I realized that is exactly what has happened? You know, Jesus said in Matthew six twenty one, "For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." Notice he doesn't say, "For where your heart is, there's where your treasure will be." Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, "Where your treasure is, there will your heart be." He doesn't say, "Where your heart is, there will your treasure is." Now, the heart has to believe what the Lord says, but it's true. The things that we started, my wife and I, when we started, for the, I remember the first time we ever gave to Gospel for Asia, we started to give to it, we started to have a heart for it. And it just kind of expanded in other ministries as well. And it's so true that uh, as we kind of just say, Lord, your ways, even if we don't understand them out of the gate, we just kind of do it. And God will honor it and our heart will follow, no doubt about it. Now, I want to move into, uh, again, you cannot take advantage in the Christian life. You can't take advantage of God giving wise counsel, practically speaking, if we're not in obedience to what he said is his way of doing things. Does that make sense? 
I mean, we're, we're, we're fooling ourselves. I mean, it'd be, it would be like, uh, you know, somebody, uh, you know, going around and uh, I hope God blesses me even though I am completely rejecting uh, what he's telling me to do in this specific, specific area. We can't expect the Lord's blood. Now, he does have grace for growing over time, and, and, and we take smaller steps, and we really kind of mature. But as far as knowing, uh, every Christian has to understand that God's plan is that we would all follow in his heart and being uh, givers. And then when we move into the practical application of, well, how do we live day to day? How do we make better decisions? How do we really kind of love the Lord and not, or not get so sidetracked by all the temptations of this world and all the things that would keep uh, us in continual bondage? Because even like if you didn't follow, once you're following the Lord and you have a giving heart, you're generous, but then you begin to walk practically, uh, you could make one purchase in your life that could send you straight back to the same level of bondage. That makes sense? It doesn't take much. Uh, you can kind of go AWOL on the Lord for a year, and you could pile up all kinds of issues, and at the same time uh, enter into all kinds of new areas of sin or danger that could actually destroy your family. I mean, David proved that uh, just one, just sitting back for just a short season when he should have been at battle, then we had Bathsheba, right? And the ripple effect after that with sin and all kinds of misery in the family. So we want to continue to take what God does in our heart and then methodically, as the Lord kind of moves us through life, apply the practical aspects. So I want to look at the living aspect of it next. And I've got a couple of, uh, as we've been looking at in the last couple of weeks, just a couple of list things that we want to go through. Uh, we looked at that last week. Uh, I, that was just, again, a bridge into... This week, selfless giving, joyful, consistent, sharing, hospitable. And I want to talk about taking new steps. Number one, as I mentioned, uh, trust. We want to trust God like Isaac did. That it's a sweet aroma to the Lord. These things that God wants us to do, that God wants us to give of our time, give our talent, give our treasure, give it all to him, put on the altar to him. It's more than anything, it's a sweet aroma to him. Number two, you got to start somewhere. The good news is um, small steps in the direction of the Lord reap big rewards. When we first started feeling the Lord wanted us to be first fruit givers, um, again, just we had a consistent amount. You know, I tell pe- people tell me, I, I, people tell me I, I can't afford to give to God. Well, if you, if you say that from now for the next 50 years, you'll never, you'll never see any growth. You'll never see any blessing in certain areas. You'll just never see the Lord really do the things that you would hope he would do in your life. But you've got to start somewhere. It'd be better to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to give this amount, 2%, 5%, you know, whatever it is, to start to say, Lord, I want to I put that towards really becoming faithful, and let God grow it. He will. It's to give you wisdom on what to do, what that should be. Uh, You know, I think that uh, ultimately, um, first fruit giving, uh, I I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't teach that tithing uh, is a New Testament command. I believe it's a whole Bible principle 
similar to train, you know, in, the old, in the Old Testament Proverbs, you might have train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart from it. Uh, though that specific verse is in Proverbs, I think you would agree with me, we can hold that as a principle in the New Testament as well. And so principally speaking, joyful, first fruit giving, but becoming consistent, start small and just start somewhere. Move in that direction. Don't be deterred by early doubts because they'll be there. When you decide, Satan knows how this works. If you decide, Lord, I'm going to start to do this, don't get too afraid, but uh, Satan might have your dishwasher break down. A flat tire. We had all these things happen. We had them all happen in the first two years. And if we would have listened to those things, I would still be, I, today I'd probably be 100000 in debt instead of zero, <laughs> other than, you know, our mortgage, which I guess most of you probably have as well. So I, I have no doubt in my mind, I, if, if, if I would have said, man, this isn't working, not going to happen, we had enough thing. I mean, really, as soon as we're like, all kinds of things, and yet the Lord says, keep pressing forward, and it looked like no progress being made, and all of a sudden, remember what he did with Isaac, a hundredfold in one year. The thing with you and I is we don't know when the year God kind of all of a sudden, the seeds we planted come up. So spiritually speaking, when we witness to people, people you witnessed to 10 years ago could get saved this year. Decisions you made for the Lord, I'm going to change the way, Lord, I use the money you've given me can change three years later, four years later, five years later, whatever it is, just be faithful. Prayers you prayed 10 years ago could be answered now. So again, we want to continue to just trust and don't get deterred by the early doubts. And then stay encouraged. You have to have brothers and sisters that, you know, if you have someone mature you can share something with, and it has to be a mature believer, say, hey, we're taking a new step. Can you pray with us that we just stay on track? Share with someone that is mature enough that you could actually share those things with them, and they would actually just be a confidant for you. And to encourage you, hey, how's it going? Well, we've been doing this, and sure enough, we just got a bill we weren't expecting. Okay, just press through, continue to let the Lord open those doors, and he will. Now, next thing I want to look at, this is under living. We're talking about giving, under living. This is a, um, a concept, I think, Christians... We're so conditioned by the world a lot of times that we don't realize it. So this I call freedom to think biblically and differently. Look at the quote from John Wesley. I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. We've been given freedom in Christ to not be under the bondage of this world. Remember the uh, children of Israel there in Egypt? They were under the bondage... They had to do it exactly the way the Egyptians said. There was no way about it. They were in slavery to not only the Egyptian people, but the mindset. We actually have been given freedom to think differently. And so I have four things here. Number one, don't follow the crowd. Just because everyone else works really hard for it and thinks it's valuable doesn't mean that we have to. 
Just because everyone, you know, when I, when I was in the business world, I worked with people, in some cases, I would work with people that made way more money than me. When you get around people, after a while, they all take on a certain thought process. And if everyone else there thinks that they need a flat screen in every room of the house, after a while, everyone thinks that they need a flat screen in every room of the house. And if you ask them, well, why do you think that? They don't really even have a good answer because they're just moving with the stream. That makes sense? Hitachi's glad you think it. Sanyo's glad you think it. Samsung's glad you think it. But really, the Lord is saying, where'd you get the idea? You need a flat screen in every single room. Where'd you get the idea you need a new car every two years? Even if the, mortgage, even if the payment is like a mortgage payment. You know, there's all these things. And so following the crowd, we've been set free from that. When you were in high school and maybe you didn't know the Lord, you had to follow the crowd you felt like, right? But now the Lord says you could stand on the rock of Christ. And you don't have to do that anymore. Number two, I know you guys are writing these down anyway, but uh, number two, don't keep up with the Joneses. I don't know if you spell Joneses like that, but anyway, that's PowerPoint didn't correct me, so I'm assuming it, it, it works. Don't keep up with the Joneses. Or what other other family? If your name is Jones, I apologize, but this, this is a cliche in America, so. There's a lot of people really get caught in this as well. They just add things. Because everybody else, they feel the pressure. You look down the street, our car is four years old. No one else's is that direction either. Well, they just, they put in three new trees in their yard. What are we going to do? They just added a fence. Hey, adults think this way. I know because I'm an adult. You know, the kids down in the youth group right now, they, they have their things. And, you know, I talk to young people. I said, you know, when you get older, you'll, you'll have new peer pressure. It'll just be different stuff. But you don't have to follow that stuff. You, you, you're free in Christ now. You don't have to be under, well, they have that. And you don't know how much debt they're in. They, they might be convincing you that, well, they, they're doing so good and we're not. How do you know? Some of these people, I mean... I've been surprised to find out the condition some people are in. You'd be surprised. But we don't have to keep up. We have the freedom to think differently. Don't accept popular thinking. God's ways are different, but his ways save souls. They actually save time, and they save money. You don't have to have the same thinking uh, as the world. You know, the world would say... um, I'll give you an example. Uh, the world would say, you need to uh, write now. If, if you're going to send your kids to college, the world would say, you need to go ahead and plan on it costing twenty to 40000 a year. I used to have people say stuff like that around me, and I would say, I'm not planning on that. There's a lot of ways to skin that cat. And that is not, you might plan on that, but we've been given freedom to think differently. We don't think exactly the same. We, we know that 
you know, that uh, what everybody else thinks they have to have, the Lord tells us, no, you follow, follow my word, I'll show you what the priorities are. Because the world will have its own set of priorities, but we have a different set. And lastly, don't trust your own flesh. Why? We rationalize everything. We can find a rationalization, you name it, and I'm not talking about the other person, I'm talking about the fingers pointing back. We can rationalize anything. Well, I really need this because I, if I really have it, then I'll be able to serve the Lord. All the way down the line, we'll, we'll find a spiritual conclusion for it. Won't we? Don't trust your flesh. Trust the Word of God and pray about it. Does that make sense? The four practical things. Take a look at this. Freedom through discipline. We don't necessarily love discipline, do we? Um, Nagma, Pastor Say's wife, was talking about the fact that um, before he, you know, Trevor, you were telling him, he prays, what, four to six hours, he was praying four to six hours a day. You talk about a spiritual discipline. Four to six hours a day. The only person I've heard of like that, well, I haven't heard of many people in modern times, the Lord's half-brother, uh, or the Lord's, we believe, brother James, through Mary, obviously, um, was uh, known to pray eight to ten hours a day. Called him camel knees. Disciplined in prayer. Well, the thing is that God wants us, all the spiritual disciplines are difficult. Fasting is difficult. Spending time in prayer doesn't come easy. Being disciplined with finances doesn't come easy. Being disciplined with getting rest, being disciplined with exercise, being, being disciplined with what we eat and how much we eat. All of those things, they take discipline. Because the flesh wants all of it all the time, but doesn't want any of the consequences. Just like the kid that wants to eat, you know, entire bag, uh, entire box of Fruit Loops or whatever else, and, oh, uh, later. The dis- without discipline, we end up in trouble. Well, the, we've been given the freedom by the Holy Spirit to actually embrace discipline. I didn't say legalism. Discipline. He said, number one, we, where we have debt, when me and my wife, when the Lord started to turn the wheels uh, and we started to see positive cash flow, although we still had to have debt paid off, we had to truly care enough even though we didn't know, at that time I had no idea the Lord was going to call me to be a pastor one day. I now know why he wanted me to pay everything off because it would have kept me from being able to take on the ministry and, and be able to step into that because I would have had too many things. No, I can't do it. I've got to get all this stuff paid for. It'll never happen. It'll never work. wouldn't be able to take certain steps of faith. But the Lord was giving us, and it was hard sometimes. It was hard sometimes you know, when, when we had the opportunity, we, we say, we could buy something really nice with this. And we write like a $1,500 check to Citibank. Oh, drove me crazy. Or to the college loan payoff program thing, whatever it was called, but Sally May or whatever. That one drove me nuts. Number two, get on a budget. Uh, it, tonight is not meant to be Dave Ramsey. I'm going to show some practical things, but, but in a lot of it, uh, if you want to get granular, you can look in things like materials like Larry Burkett's, who's 
um, want to be on the Lord, but you can still look at his materials and Dave Ramsey and other things. But getting on a budget is going to be important for most people. Number three, start saving for the future. Needs. There will be future needs. Now, this is big picture. We're going to get a little more granular in just a second. But this is big picture. Why did I say big picture? Well, you have to have a plan first. And the plan has to be easy enough to remember. So this is a very simple bulleted plan. It has to be simple enough that you can remember, all right, number one, we're going to go after things that are debt. That, you know, the Lord told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, do not be a borrowing nation. You think our nation could use that? Our personal credit card debt as well as our national debt, which is well over $18 trillion, I mean, it's astronomical. Everything God warned Israel of, we have done as a nation, both individually and collectively. That's why I said at the beginning of this series, we can all learn, folks. This is not, this is not talking down. This is talking with. All of us can get better. I, there's nothing on here I need. Number, three, number four, reduce or eliminate wasteful expenditures. Wasteful expenditures. Um, not to pick on Starbucks again, but um, poor guys, because uh, we like Starbucks and all. But, uh, you know, take a latte. Uh, you do it three times a week. Let's say on average it's $3, somewhere between two eighty-five and 3 and If you're buying one in New York, it's more. If you're buying one in L.A. and Richmond, there are different prices of where you're in the country, but somewhere between, you know, two eighty and three twenty-five. dollars uh, You do that three times a week, not seven times a week, just three times a week. You're somewhere between four hundred and fifty and five hundred dollars a year. I mean, it, it adds up. Things like that, but but that's just one little expenditure that people can have. They can have multiple magazine subscriptions that they don't even read. Lots of little things that just to eliminate. And so we'll look at some of these in, in a second as well. And then lastly, pray for God's help because God will have you do minor course adjustments somewhat on a regular basis. Isn't that great to know? You ever seen someone steer a sailboat? I had a friend that after college, uh, he lived on a sailboat when we lived in Miami. And uh, when you steer a sailboat, or you, know, you, ha- you don't hold it in one place. It's constantly, you're constantly moving a little bit, constantly adjusting. Same way you drive down the road. I'm hoping you don't stay in one position forever. So that's the big picture. Just big picture, if we want to have discipline, these are five, uh, five areas that God wants us, I believe, all of us to have discipline. Now, here's some helpful and wise areas, a little more granular, a little more detailed. It's not anywhere as detailed as it could be, but just get, these are to be thought-provoking as to say, if I really have a generous heart and I'm committed to being a, a faithful giver to the Lord, uh, my time, my talent, my treasure, but I also want to make wise decisions in my life um, because I really believe that God wants to bless and do things. Then I also have to take you know accountability to do things that aren't always easy but are beneficial. Just like eating the vegetables for your kids, I know they'd rather have another Twizzler. I know it's in our house they would, and yet we have to tell some of them, you got to eat this stuff. The other stuff is okay in moderation, but this stuff's actually good for you. This stuff actually is cancer preventative. This one is brings cancer into your life. So the same thing, we want to have some helpful and wiser. Number one, uh, pay cash and avoid credit cards. 
unless you can fully pay by the month, which is good. Of course, if you have a credit debt, you want to be paying that down, not just paying uh, off. Well, again, if you, if you pay it off, I actually still use personally, uh, I, I get good rewards through credit cards. Some of you might as well. And the rewards are good as long as you pay them off on a monthly basis. You actually can get cash back. And, uh, you know, we've actually bought, I remember one time we bought uh, uh, a significant piece of furniture that we needed for the house, and it was all off rewards. So you can use it as long as you're paying off well. But, uh, you know, a lot of people would be better off uh, going with cash because they'll spend less. Uh, Number two, I love this one, take care of things. Sometimes in our neighborhood, I'll see like some kid just left a bike at the park. I'm like, I'm sure someone bought this. Or they'll leave sweaters or, you know, sweatshirts or, you know, uh, you know I tell our kids, no, 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 treat that gently. We want that to last. And so as parents have to teach their kids to take care of things well, because some things taken well, you could extend the life of it quite a bit. So taking care of things Keeping them clean is a good, prudent thing to do. Keep things longer. Some things, you know, today, remember following the crowd or keeping up with the Joneses. Some of you from bygone years lived up. When I was growing up, my parents, well, my dad would hang on to something for a long time. And it was, looking back, it was a really good trait that I did not like then when I was younger that he would hold on to things way too long. But now I realize that if you can take good care of things, hold on to them longer, you're not throwing money out the window. Uh, Number four, this is a a great one, eat at home. This is a big problem in America. Eating out in 2015 is a lot different than it was in 1950. Eating at home saves a tremendous amount of money. It's just being good stewards of what God's given us. And eating out isn't really that good for us. I think we all know that, right? No matter what Chipotle tries to tell us. You know? I can make the same burrito for a third of the price. You know, things like that. So, uh, by the way, eating at home, you get to eat with your family. That's a bonus. Smaller portions. The older I get, I need smaller portions. So, that you know, I'm wasting less and... And my in-laws and my parents are good at leftovers. We've been horrible over the years at leftovers, but we're better at it now than we were like five, seven years ago. And so, again, making uh, improvements. Uh, Leverage free things, day trips, parks, things like that. Buying generic. I'm okay with the Walmart brand now. And the Target brand and all these, you know, these, uh, you know, the the generics uh, are, you can't always, there's some things maybe where it doesn't make sense, but... um, Buying used where it makes sense. Uh, we, we get a lot of things, uh, discounts. We look for, look for values. We find them. And you guys, I'm not telling you some things you don't know. But again, these are just, as a believer, it's smart for us, wise for us, prudent for us to do these kind of things. Make off-season purchases. You don't want to be buying the snow shovel last week. And by the way, you say, well, people would say, well, if I'm buying things in the off-season, I'm spending... Well, at some point, you've got to get on an off-season schedule. Otherwise, forever, you're on an on-season schedule. That makes sense? If you're always buying things in season, you're paying full price. 
But if you sometimes get off the train and say, time out, we'll buy winter stuff in the summer and summer stuff in the winter, and, you know, and if you flip the script, you actually, at some point, you just keep moving forward that way, and you're able to, especially with kids' clothes and boots, and they grow out of the size and all that stuff, off-season really makes sense. Uh, when possible, you might want a vacation with other families. Again, just uh, it lowers cost. Plus, you get fellowship. That's a good deal, you know. Um, I didn't say honeymoon and things like that. Just this is you keep it. There's, there's time and place where it's time for you just get away by yourself. There's other times where it makes okay to go on a camping trip over the weekend. And I know some of you do that as families and stuff anyway. I mentioned education as well. There's, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of alternatives now. We can learn a lot of things for free online stuff and online classes and uh, community colleges for a couple of years. And uh, to, by the way, rushing your kids to get to a four-year campus they are some of the most unsafe places for college kids in America today. You guys know, have you been keeping up with what's going on in America's college campuses? Not only will they gladly take your $35,000, they also will put your kids in grave jeopardy and try and indoctrinate them all at the same time. It's a triple lose for the believer in many cases. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that, uh, that there's not a good time or, or an opportunity at some point to to go there, but I'd say the longer my kids could save money, be more mature and more wise, the better off if they finish the fourth year or the third year at a state university or something like that. I've saved a lot of time, and we're able to be even more wise about how we do it. So again, there's alternatives. Uh, I love number 11. Wait out times and seasons until God actually okays it or provides it. It's okay to tell your kids, we're not doing that yet. We might wait a couple of years on that. But every other family already, you know. We're waiting. The Lord will tell us when we can afford to do that. And that may be never. They don't want to ever hear that, by the way. <laughs> never? I hate that I was born here. No. <laughs> I don't get that. I'm just saying. Some of you might not be kidding. And then lastly, pray. Chuck Smith used to say, uh, he would have a sales guy trying to sell him something, and Chuck, Chuck would say, I'm going to go home and pray about it, and if the Lord wants me to have it, it'll be here tomorrow. Oh, it drove sales guys crazy when Chuck would tell him that, he said. He, he could see the guy like going, Mr. Smith, you've got to understand, this is the last day this will be available. And invariably, it was available the next day too. True? And so we need to pray about things before we run out, and, uh, and make big decisions. It's important with the small things, too. And lastly, come to a close here. Why do we prepare? It, um, we looked at the giving, uh, talked a little about living, the practical aspect of it, uh, but also preparing. We want to prepare, and, and I don't have a lot of time to uh, address this last one, but i Wanted to put it in here uh, so you think through it and pray over it. And as you study the Word, maybe God will show you more. Um, three things. Number one, we're preparing for ministry. Not that everyone here is going into the ministry, but we all have a ministry. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you have a ministry. If you're a grandmother, you have a ministry. If you're a dad, you certainly have a ministry. But there's other ministry that God has for us. As, as we go through different seasons in life, with the things that we've learned, the things we've matured in, God will use us in new areas. 
and there's opportunities that we'll miss if we're kind of tied down because, oh, I, I, I'd love to help. And I looked and I um, put the Good Samaritan up, as I, I think I mentioned him either last week or the week before. But remember, when he saw a need, he could dismount, take the time, and he actually could help. He was, he was not just prepared for his own family, but he also was prepared to help people who were lost and dying. And I think that God wants to rouse and equip a church in our day and age that uh, if we were wiser and we actually did put money aside, not just for our own future needs, but also for when ministry opportunities came up, um, we would be able to bless people and say, hey, can you give an, I, I, I want to give this, can you, I'm going to give it anonymously. Can you get this to this family that just, you know, maybe they had a death in the family and you know that they were unsaved and, and they didn't make good preparations and, and uh, it, it, all kinds of opportunities. I, I just thrown out there that uh, when we have things come up, that the Lord would have us as much as possible. And in this, this preparing is for today, we start, but we may not be really prepared for it for a couple of years. Like I told you, we, we took us six years. But at the end of those six years, we then were able to do some things that popped up on our radar screen that other families couldn't help with. And it was a blessing to be able to do it because we had opportunities not just for things that we needed for ourselves, but also uh, preparing to minister, maybe a need, maybe an outreach, maybe a missionary that has, hey, we have a great opportunity to get into this country. We need X amount. Uh, give you an example, a couple of years ago, uh, Brother Felix down in Bolivia, um, they, he needed a special motorcycle to go through the jungles, and the only motorcycle that would actually not break down in the mud deep in the jungles was an Australian motorcycle. And us, our church and another church, you know, we were able to, just people's giving was able to help with that. And uh, he was able to reach villages that hadn't previously been reached. And so ministry opportunities, uh, very important. Number two, emergencies. We all know that things happen, don't they? Things break down. <laughs> it is not the government's responsibility to handle all of our emergencies. Now it's people that today, a lot of people think, the number one, whoever's supposed to handle every emergency should be the federal government. Our grandparents and our grandparents before that didn't think that way. If we have emergencies and they're going to happen, you know, you're going to have the muffler fall, fall off the car. You're going to have you know, the tires need to be replaced. And those aren't even, those are even kind of things that you kind of expect, but there's even other emergencies that are unexpected. So we need to plan today to actually have things set aside for those. Because it's our, it's our personal responsibility. It's not someone else. It's a blessing when other people do come to our aid. And that's back to number one. We want to come to people's aid. But it's really no one specific responsibility. We need to have accountability in our lives. And then the third one, future needs. Um, I think that the Bible, you know, you ever notice that the Bible has a lot to say about things like inheritance? We have two. We have um, we have two different kind of schools of thought. We have one where we have 
parents today who want to give their kids every single thing, and they're so spoiled and have no uh, understanding of value that um, they've, they've kind of ruined their kids' ability to survive on their own. And then you have the other school of hard knocks. Well, no one ever gave me anything. She ain't getting anything either. You ever heard that side of the coin? It's like the two parents. I mean, God wants us somewhere in the middle of that, by the way, that really it is a good thing that you, if you raise your kids in the fear and admonition, Lord, and you prepare for the future, that you are able to help with their wedding that there is, a, there is a middle ground where God wants us to prepare and say, look, we actually don't want you in debt with college and this, that, and we want to help in some areas. But a lot of parents, they can't help because they had never, they'd never gotten their own financial house in order. So now they can't help even if they wanted to help. But that's a problem too. So you, know, you do have parents that really desperately want to help, but now they realize, I can't anyway. We, we missed that window. And so it's 2015. I don't know how long the Lord has for everyone in here to kind of continue to grow in this. I, here I am 20 years later, and I'm still growing in all these areas. I, I hope I continue to grow in them. But uh, I really believe that if we actually have the right heart and our treasure and our heart with the Lord, we can see like Isaac did, real blessing years where God says, because your heart's in the right place, and because you care about the right things, because you're planning well, and because you're, uh, you're giving with compassion, uh, and you're making wise choices, and you're not wasteful with these things, God says, because you're faithful with the little things I've given you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless it. And that's my heart in it, that God would do that for you guys individually, you know, for our church collectively, and, uh, and our brothers and sisters uh, all over. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time, this evening. In your word, we pray, Lord, that uh, you would use uh, just these things to uh, remind us that you're the one that provides for us, you're the one that cares for us, and that, uh, Lord, as we just uh, entrust all that you've given and do it, Lord, your way, uh, that, Lord, you'll bless it as you blessed your servant Isaac, as you blessed uh, the New Testament church and just uh, gave them an outpouring of the spirit of, of lives transformed. Lord, we want to see that in our own lives and in those around us. And so we ask Jesus that you would uh, just continue to teach us all. We want to grow to be more faithful as stewards of your resources because it all belongs to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.